Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. And guess who's got the vaccines first? It's the elderly people or more older people like my good self who have got the vaccines first. And therefore, we would be the first ones to be able to enjoy the newfound freedoms. I feel a social responsibility now, even though, as you say, I feel like Superman and I could go out and kiss everybody. <laughs> Not that everybody would like that at all. But <laughs> People will generally see that as being high risk. Even before coronavirus, there are lots of examples of viruses spreading throughout ships very rapidly. I anticipate that like you and like me, a lot of people would see that as being reasonable. Hi, this is Colin, and I wanted to ask you a favour. It would really help Ryan and I if you could spend a moment and complete a review of the podcast. Positive reviews help us get out to more people, and we love hearing from our listeners and seeing what people have written. So please, just take a moment and complete a review. Thanks very much for your help. So Ryan, I thought we'd have a really interesting debate, because this is something I've I've been debating with a few of my friends and colleagues around the business. And this is around the subject of vaccine passports. Have you heard any of this debate? I've heard a little bit of it. Yeah, it's definitely been kicked around as an idea. I'm not aware of any place that's definitely settled on it, but it's been been discussed. Yeah. So let me try and position this. So when I talk about a vaccine passport, I'm talking about the fact of, well, in fact, let me tell you what I'm not talking about. So I'm not talking about if I want to go to Kenya, I need to have a yellow fever vaccine before I go and I can't go in the country unless I've had that. I mean, that that for me is like a given. What we're talking about here is sort of vaccine passports or certifications for domestic stuff. So uh, let me give you an example or two, two or three examples that I've heard of recently. And I think it's fair to say that, well, I think it's fair to say for me, I'm not actually sure which way I sway at the moment but it will be interesting for us to have a debate. I think that makes for more interesting debates. It does. That's why I thought it would be good. Yeah. So there's been a few organisations that have gone down this route already, one of which is in the UK, a holiday company called Saga Holidays, and we'll put the link again in the show notes. They do, they do cruises, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've already come out and said that no one will be able to go on a cruise unless they've had a vaccine certification. Yeah. Again, in the UK, uh, on the other side, because I think this this is an interesting debate because it's also from an employee side. Yes. So there's a company in the UK called Pimlico Plumbers, who are quite a famous company. And the owner of Pimlico Plumbers has basically said, no one, and he's basically said, no jab, no job. In England, we don't call it a shot, we call it a jab. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure which of those sounds more violent. <laughs> I got a shot, I got a jab. Or a jab, yeah. yeah. So he's basically saying, if you want to be a plumber, work for us, 
then you've got to have a COVID vaccine because you're clearly going in and seeing people in their houses and blah, 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 blah. And there's a whole debate going around, which is so. So I thought it would be good for us both just to, to kick this around and take uh, positive views and negative views and, and see where we end up. Like you, I also see pros and cons to this, and I also don't have a strong opinion yet. So I think it'll be fun for us to kind of explore this through a conversation. So I think the interesting thing is when I read about the cruise line, Mm -hmm. my immediate reaction was, yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. But when you extend that to, I don't know, going to the cinema, you can now imagine going to the cinema, you can go in and see these performances only if you've had a vaccine mm-hmm. and you have to prove that you've had a vaccine before you go in. That then feels, whilst those people that have vaccines, I'm sure it's fine, but for those that haven't, that then feels discriminatory, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I have a similar reaction where, I mean, I guess I, I should say that I'm, Pro vaccine. I know that there's yep, totally agree with some you. who have different opinions about that, but I trust the science on this, and this seems like a, a great thing for humanity. So I'm very pro getting vaccines. The question here, though, is more about business or government or societal policies around what can be done with or without a vaccine. And like you, it also feels different to me. Like the cruise ship feels like a much easier case than the theater or the movie or at some extremes, like maybe your local grocery store would have somebody checking your papers as you walk in. And those feel different to me in magnitude somehow, like some feel more reasonable and others feel less reasonable. And I think that's where this gets interesting, that there there does seem to be some factors that would make more or less sense for different types of organizations. Yeah. And when you think about it for me, because if I was thinking about going into a bar, and by the way, I totally agree with you about the vaccines, and I believe it so much, I've had it. And it's actually quite interesting because it also, once you've had it, it makes you look at things sort of slightly differently as as well, basically. Well, and you've told me you're now convinced that you're invincible since you've had the shot, right? You've you've stopped wearing seatbelts, stopped putting on sunscreen, you just pick fights with large, hairy dudes, like you're just, you're all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going off to the nearest mountain and jumping off (laughs) later. What do you Um, mean by that? What are you looking at differently now? Well, you feel that you've got that level of protection. I see. And therefore you go, well, yeah, I would like to go to the cinema. Yeah. And as I've had the vaccine, I could guess I could make an argument that says you are discriminating against me because I've had the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. And in the pre-show, we would just talk, it's interesting because when you start thinking about it, you always say sensible things, mate, and make me think. Because I guess it is... That's a high bar, Colin. I'm uncomfortable with that. Let's let's rephrase that. Let's tone that down. But what you were saying in the pre-show was it depends on about who's making the choice, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I I think part of it is that. So I don't want us to veer too far into political philosophy here, but I think for, for this question, it's kind of relevant. So there seems to be certain organizations or certain settings where this makes a lot of sense. So you were mentioning like traveling across international borders. 
we're all kind of used to countries getting to establish that you need a certain set of vaccines in order to get into the country and that that's reasonable. And if you're going to go to to various places, you need to, to go through and get your shots. There's another level, though, in terms of schools. Many schools also require vaccinations of various kinds before students get in. And, and there are different places with more or fewer exceptions to those rules. Then there's another layer where it's, it's something like a cruise line where it's not obviously a government making this decision, but now we know that cruises are essentially floating Petri dishes and viruses can travel very quickly. So that also makes sense. I guess the, the question that I was trying to raise is, do we want individual businesses kind of being an enforcement mechanism for public health or public policy programs? And I'm not saying we don't, but I am saying that it's a question that needs more exploration because I think that there are real big implications of that. Yeah, but I mean, if you took it at a top level, because it's interesting then, isn't it? And you then start talking about uh, discrimination. Yes. Okay. It wouldn't be acceptable for someone to go, you can't come into my cinema because you're in a wheelchair. Yes. So that is discriminating against that person and whether it's through race or disability or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, everyone I'm sure would turn around and go, well, that's inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting then when you start to go, well, hold on, aren't you just doing the same thing with a vaccine? Right. But if the government says it, Right. And it's therefore equal for everybody because you could, I guess, in that case, have one cinema group that's going, yeah, we're open only to people that have had the vaccine and another cinema group that's going, maybe it's just segmentation, and <laughs> we're open to people that, that haven't had the vaccine. I, I think that's going to be kind of the big question of where this plays out. So you can imagine a scenario where a government says all businesses are required to serve only people or all businesses of a certain type are required to serve only people with a passport. So then it would be local companies or organizations enforcing government policy, which is what happens with mask mandates, right? So local governments say everybody needs to wear a mask in these certain settings. And then it's kind of up to businesses to enforce compliance with that. Sure, That's a little bit less of a problem to address as it is when the businesses themselves are setting the policy. Yes. So that, as you said, the theater chain decides that this is the policy. And then I'm not qualified to speak as to the uh, kind of the legal implications of discrimination in that way, but we can talk about the, the customer experience implications of it. You see, it's interesting then, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but they've just been, I've been watching a little bit of the Australian Open tennis and they allowed X number of people in to mm -hmm. watch it. So how did they decide who went in and who didn't? And surely they would have had to have had a test before they went in or two or three days before they went in or something like that. I would have thought, I don't know. Presumably, yeah. Yeah, you can imagine, because you can imagine, a, you know, if you think about your Petri dish, the cruise lines, well, mm -hmm. what is it about the cruise lines that makes it an issue? It's a lot of people in yes. close proximity for an extended period of time, I guess. Yeah. Going Drinking unreasonable amounts of alcohol. Yeah. Eating so, too much. So think of a concert. Yeah. Where you've got, maybe it's not 
you're not away for you know three weeks or whatever it may be or a week or something but you've got a load of people in one area they're all bundled together very closely I mean that makes me then start to go yeah again maybe it feels reasonable that you go actually people that you can only enter that and the parallel I'm trying to draw by the way here is you and you can tell me thinking this through is well you've had a test to get into the Australian Open tennis and that's okay you don't hear loads of people complaining about that mm-hmm. yeah but Maybe the vaccine bit is just that you're physically putting something in somebody's body, basically. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's more invasive than a test, for sure. I I think that there's kind of two levels that people, so a lot of this seems to, to hinge on perceptions of fairness, what seems to be fair or reasonable to ask of people. Yeah. I think that the perceptions of fairness are going to be based off of two factors. So one, as you mentioned, is the risk of the setting so cruise ships feels okay because of of the high risk environment you're just you're in an enclosed setting with a a group of people for a long period of time people will generally see see that as being high risk i mean even before coronavirus there are lots of examples of viruses spreading throughout ships very rapidly yeah and so i anticipate that like you and like me a lot of people would see that as being reasonable an interesting counter case to that would be bars so there's evidence that bars actually promote the spread of coronavirus pretty well because people are are packed in close together. They're drinking and so they're not masking. Bars tend to be noisy so people get in each other's faces in order to communicate. Drinking doesn't promote social distancing if you've ever been around somebody drinking. Yeah. But the idea that you would need a vaccine passport to get into a bar, I suggest, would probably strike people as being less reasonable, even though the risk is still objectively high. And I think that has to do with a second factor, which is kind of how unusual or everyday the setting is. Yeah, I think that for something like the Australian Open, because it's an extraordinary event, people and like a cruise also, people are likely to see extraordinary precautions as being more reasonable. Whereas going to a bar, even if the objective danger is still relatively high, it seems unreasonable to ask people to go through extraordinary means just to get into a bar. How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. The other aspect I was thinking of is that we know that coronavirus has been devastating with the older population and people with underlying health issues, etc., and therefore, by definition, there's been a lot of restrictions in, certainly, I've been in England for most of the pandemic. So certainly in England, and I know it varies in in the States, state by state, but on what you're able to do, basically. yeah. 
I've heard an argument being made again, uh, well, what we're doing is we're sort of imposing the will, to put it crudely, to save some elderly people lives, then it's the younger population that have been impinged upon more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The parallel I was trying to draw is, and guess who's got the vaccines first? Mm-hmm. It's the elderly people or more older people like my good self who have got the vaccines first. And therefore, we would be the first ones to be able to enjoy the newfound freedoms. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would be the first ones to enjoy the newfound freedoms. And the and the people that haven't been under the most risk, which are the younger population, would be the ones that would be restricted, which yeah. I find quite ironic as well. No, I think that's a great point. And it, and it gets back again to this idea of fairness. So I mean, yeah. if it was all strictly a rational calculation, then the fact that some people get it first and some people get it later wouldn't be as much of a matter because we, we would be interested in just kind of reducing global risk and maximizing the benefits to the economy. But there is a real problem if we start introducing passport restrictions before everyone's had a reasonable chance to get the vaccine, right? So you've had the vaccine already. It's great. I have not. I'm not eligible to get it yet. And so to your point, if a passport regime were, were introduced now, I might feel a little upset about that because I'm, I'm yeah. willing to get the vaccine. I'm, I'm anxious to get it, but I just, I haven't had the chance. And so that kind of restriction feels less fair than a restriction that's put in place after everybody's had the opportunity and some people have just chosen yeah. not to. Yeah. I have to say, as a person that's had it, I feel a social responsibility now, even though, as you say, I feel like Superman and I could go out and kiss everybody. <laughs> not that everybody would like that at all, but <laughs> I'd have to catch him first. I feel a social responsibility to carry on wearing a mask and yeah. carry on doing the things I was doing before, even though my head goes... Yeah, actually, you probably don't need to do this for yourself. But uh, as I've been talking to my kids about, it's not about me anymore. It's actually about everybody else, basically. That's really interesting. Humans are terrible at assessing risk. This goes back to Kahneman and Tversky and, and prospect theory. So prospect theory is made up of essentially two parts. One of the parts we've talked about extensively on this podcast, which is the value curve is loss aversion and diminishing sensitivity and the fact that people need reference points. We talk about those all the time because they're very relevant to customer experience and, and marketing. The other part of prospect theory that we don't talk about as much is probability assessments, which is much less sexy, but it turns out is, is pretty important in some circumstances. And when it comes to things like this, it's really important. So people are terrible at assessing risks. Very, very low risk things we treat as if is very likely to happen. Some very high risk things we seem to ignore entirely. And you've seen that over the progress of the pandemic, where when risk was objectively low at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was really, really nervous about it. And then as objective risk increased, as it became more commonplace, we also kind of got used to it. And treated it like it was not a big deal. And, you know, now this is just a part of life. And you see that with risks of all kinds. Like we were very, very afraid of shark attacks. Sure. And much less afraid of, you know, heart disease and, and cancer. It is going to be interesting to see how, as vaccines roll out and as people start to adjust to it, there could be a dangerous tipping point where 
too many people assume we're kind of out of the woods and the risk is now nothing. And so start kind of backsliding on behaviors. Yeah. And I generally think that that's going to happen, unfortunately, because people will get the vaccine and then think themselves are they're okay and then we'll carry on and then we'll want to do things. And there will also be less social pressure. So if people without a vaccine stop wearing masks, then there will be more people not wearing masks and there will be less kind of social stigma associated with not wearing a mask. And so people who probably should be may stop wearing them. Yeah, it's funny because this morning, or not this morning, uh, lunchtime, I was uh, having my lunch and I was watching the news. And one of the conversations that they were having here, I was watching a political show. One of the conversations they were having here, and when I say here, by the way, I'm in England at the moment, was that the introduction of a vaccine passport would put pressure on people to have the vaccine. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in other words, I, you, hopefully the majority of people think that having the vaccine is a good idea, but there are a group of people that I guess dev go, if life is typical, definitely I'm not having it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fine, that's your choice. But there are also going to be a group of people that are waverers. Yeah. And actually, if you introduce the passport, that may convert some of the waverers to whether they, they should have it or not. Uh, and that would increase the possibilities of herd immunity and therefore overcoming the issues and everything else. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of ways this could go. The perspective that was expressed on the, the news program is kind of a rational perspective, right? So if you want people to do something, then you increase the benefits of doing it and increase the costs of not doing it. And then people realize at some point that, well, it's just, it's worth it for me to do this. Yeah, Uh, And that definitely works. There's something to that. There's also the less rational side to it. And there's something called reactance, which is that sometimes when you push people or you nudge them, you nudge them too hard. And then people react to that and treat it as a violation of their autonomy. And you'll get some people on the boundaries who maybe would have, but who will now feel that they're being forced into it. And so who will dig in their heels and stubbornly say no. Yes, yes. Relative percentages of those two, I don't know. No. And then there's the whole issue around when no matter which way you go, again, you and I were talking before, weren't we, about, well, actually, this is where framing comes in. Framing would would be an interesting take on this as well. So for a given passport regime, so we've, we've already decided our passport policy, you're allowed to do this with a passport and you can't without one. There's still decisions to be made in terms of how you communicate that to other people. So one thing that you and I were, were talking about was gain and loss framing. So do you express this to people in terms of what they will gain if they get a passport or what they will lose if they don't get vaccinated? The behavioral science would suggest that the loss framing will tend to, on average, be more persuasive for people, that focusing on what is lost will be more persuasive and more motivational than focusing on what would be gained. So let's assume that we've been both called in by our respective governments or a company 
and they were to say, what do you think we should do? Yeah. What would we say? Do you want me to go first? Yes. Because okay. I still haven't decided. So <laughs> I'll probably just say the opposite of whatever you just say. To be honest with you, I will give people an answer. However, yeah. I could also be persuaded the other yeah, way. This one's thorny. Is this one's tricky. It, it is, which is why I thought it'd be a good debate. So I think I would refer back to the three musketeers. Oh, wow. Did not see that coming. <laughs> which is all for one, one for all. <laughs> so in other words, I probably, I would say, don't introduce it. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't introduce a vaccine passport because it is discriminatory, etc. And therefore, the people like my good self that have had the vaccine need to carry on doing the things. That's the all for one, one for all bit until everybody has got to the point where we can all, all enjoy the benefits. It would feel wrong to me to turn up at a cinema, which is the best example I can think of, and go, "Yeah, I've got, I've had the vaccine." This thirty-year-old hasn't (laughs) yeah and i can go in and watch the film but they can't i can go into this bar but they can't i can do this but they can't that feels wrong although there are exceptions that prove the rule so i agree with the saga holidays and cruise lines and stuff like that there are definitely things that i could be persuaded on to go yeah but in this there's an exception here but generally i think we have to all adopt the same process otherwise it just becomes so divisive basically i think the way that you put that clarified some things in my mind so i guess what is the purpose of a a vaccine passport program like why would you want to do that and you know the way we've talked about it the assumption that we're making is the reason you would do that is to increase demand for the vaccine right that's why you do it you want to make getting a vaccine more attractive for people on average if that's the goal then it makes no sense to introduce a program like this until vaccines are universally available. Yeah. Right now, in every country in the world, except perhaps Israel, who's way ahead on vaccinating, in every country in the world, demand is far outpacing supply. Yeah. So any program that would further increase demand would only cause social strife. Yeah. The problem currently is not a demand problem. The problem is a supply problem. So it would not make any sense to introduce vaccine passport programs right now. Fast forward six months when there is adequate supply and maybe flagging demand relative to supply, then we might consider it. But my advice to governments would be to make these decisions conservatively and on an ad hoc basis. So as you said, some things like like cruise lines would seem to make a lot of sense. Other things like your neighborhood grocery store would not. I would also encourage not having exceptions to things like mask mandate policies until actual vaccination rates rise. In other words, you shouldn't encourage people to be able to just flash a card to get out of wearing a mask, because I think that that'll create social proof problems where now lots of people are not wearing masks. And so it's going to be less compelling for me to have to wear a mask. And until we're out of the woods scientifically on that, I would say everybody's still got to comply with this. Yep. So uh, interesting debate. If you've got a view, then uh, drop us a line on contact at beyondphilosophy.com or 
you'll know that I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. We do a blog of the podcast that we've done. So undoubtedly, we're doing a blog on this. Let us know in your comments on, on that as well. But we hope that's been an interesting debate. And I'm sure that there are going to be lots of comments and lots of exceptions and lots of interesting conversation about this. So thanks very much. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. Just as a reminder, please could you complete a review of the show and that would really help us. Thanks very much. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.